giving up the old home, Doris and her mountain home. Thus passed the weeks into months, and the months into years, and Doris continued to teach the children, and under the training of her excellent mother, was growing into useful and beautiful womanhood. Her sixteenth birthday came, and on the morning of the day she arose early and gazed from her window at the roses upon the terrace glowing in the early beams of the sun. All was so fresh, fragrant, and beautiful that her heart went up in gratitude to God for the blessings she enjoyed. She stood there for some time, then went out upon the terrace to get a nearer view of the flowers, and was surprised and pleased to see Maha and the three children coming toward her, all in their Sabbath attire and carrying wreaths of wild flowers. In addition to a wreath, Maha carried a basket of fine grapes as a present to Doris on her birthday. Gaakamo stepped forward and presenting his wreath, his handsome eyes brilliant with health and contentment said, Thank you for all you have done for us. May you live long and be always happy. It was now Benedetto's turn, and being embarrassed by his position as orator, his voice was pitched beyond its ordinary compass, and his face very red indeed. Today is your great festival, because you are sixteen. You are not a little girl any more, but a pretty young lady. I hope you will always be as pretty as you are now. You didn't say it right, whispered Marietta, but Benedetto had no intention of making another trial. He gave his wreath and gave place to his critic, but Marietta found it easier to criticize than to make an address. She forgot the little poem with which she was to congratulate Doris, and could only give her wreath and step aside in confusion. Dear Doris, said Maha, coming forward, for sixteen years you have been a joy and a blessing to all near you. These grapes are from the sunny field where you and I have often walked at sunset. You admired these rich clusters, and I have watched them and kept them. For this we have had happy days together, and now, on your sixteenth birthday, I can only say, May our Father in heaven bless thee, and prosper thee, and keep thee in his peace. The happiness of Doris was increased to find that her mother was expecting the little company, and they were to take breakfast upon the terrace. Many little delicacies had been prepared unknown to Doris, and throughout her birthday celebration was a joyous surprise. Maha was in excellent spirits, for she had heard from Beppo, now in Genoa, and he had sent her money to buy clothing for the children, and was coming as soon as possible to see them. And Doris, how could Maha ever be grateful enough to her? She had made of Gawakomo, a boy of whom anyone might be proud. For all his thoughts were now for others, giving a helping hand wherever needed. Benedetto had become a refined, courteous boy, like his elder brother. What would Doris think to hear you speak so? Or what would Doris think to see you act so? Was all that was necessary for Maha or Guiancomo to quell his boisterous or mutinous outbreaks. He had grown neat in person and well informed upon general subjects, as well as in knowledge gained from books, 
for what Doris had learned from her father and mother she imparted to them, and having bright intellects and retentive memories, it was seed sown in good ground. In addition to lessons from books and orally, music and by example, Fra Dorothy took great pleasure in instructing Marietta in needlework and knitting, and the deft little fingers of the little girl did credit to her teacher. Maha was intelligent enough to appreciate the benefits such friends were to the motherless children, training them in the path of right and sharing freely the advantages which they had enjoyed owing to a more favored position in life. May God's blessing rest upon Fra Marisus and Doris was always included in the nightly prayer of Maha and the children uttered with sincere hearts and in firm belief that the prayer would be granted. Nor were Fra Marisus and her daughter without present reward for their labor of love, for besides the real help Maha and the children were in many little ways, the bright sayings of their pupils was the theme of many cheerful conversations between mother and daughter when alone. Mama said Doris after Maha and the children had left that morning, they all thanked me so earnestly for what we have done for them, yet I think they have helped me as much as I have helped them. I have had good results too from it, replied the mother. My mind has been pleasantly occupied, and I have felt that I am doing some good in the world. I never thought that I should have to study to keep in advance of Guacomo life to Morris Doris, but he has asked many questions that I could not answer until I asked you or examined the books that belong to Papa. Even Benedetto sets me to studying with his bright questions, and he and Marietta have taught me to be patient. I am so glad that I have Papa's books to consult, especially the encyclopedia, though all are good and useful. Papa was so wise. It appears to me I never asked him a question he could not answer. Yes, Doris, you met with a great loss in losing your father, but God knows what is best. His ways are not our ways. We shall know these mysteries when we reach the other shore. I am glad that I was old enough to remember him and the beautiful walks we had over the mountain and our talks when we sat down to rest or when he was painting. We always lived so happily in our beautiful home. Oh, mother, could you ever leave here to go to Switzerland as your relatives are always writing you to do? No, Doris. Dearly as I love my home, there... This place is endeared to me by many sweet memories. Many changes have taken place in Switzerland since I left it, but my dear grandparents on my father's side still live, and I hope we can visit them soon. The subject of her childhood's home was a pleasant theme to both, and was frequently discussed. But Dorothy had always spoken more of the place than the people, while on the contrary, in speaking of her mother's relatives on the shore of the North Sea, she spoke more of the people than the place. Their conversation was interrupted by the appearance of a neighbor, who, having been to Cavendone, halted to leave a letter for Dorothy. It was from Switzerland, and she opened it with misgivings. It was from Maria Durant, wife of her uncle Jacob, and her, her with voice trembling with emotion, Frau Mara Suisse read it aloud to her daughter, my dear niece Dorothy. I write to tell you that your beloved grandfather has gone to a higher life, and we are, as you will know, very sad. He had reached his ninetieth year, but was active for one of his age and cheerful, always taking interest in his fellow creatures while waiting to be called home. 
Grandma is in her 80th year, but is strong and well for one of her age. They have firm belief that it is the climate of our beloved Switzerland that has prolonged their lives, and are, and are of the opinion that had your husband lived here instead of in Italy, he would have been spared to you and your daughter. Your grandfather's funeral was the largest ever seen here. People came from all the villages around, which proved the estimation in which he was held. Although you have always preferred to remain away from us, I think you will now see the propriety of returning to your native land. All your grandfather's property was portioned off by him, and with his decision we are all satisfied. He had, as you know, three houses, the one by the bridge, where he and Grandma have always lived. He bequeathed to his son Matthias and his wife Catherine, who have had their home there. And as there is considerable land there, they and their three boys will have a good home. My husband and I will remain in the house that we rented from your grandfather and which he bequeathed to us, and the house near the river is yours and will make a pleasant home for you. It has been re newly repaired and being larger than you need. You could select lodgers if you choose from the many touristes who apply and thus have rent for at least one of your rooms. There is nothing to send you, as your patrimony as daughter of his son Daniel is com comprised in the house and the land about it. Your grandma is anxious that you should come and take possession, not only to have you near her, but that your daughter may be under the influence of our pastor and our church, as she hopes that the religion which prevails there has ha no hold upon her, but that she will unite with the denomination to which all her family for generations have belonged. All your relatives send you loving greeting, your affectionate aunt, Marie. Dorothy laid the letter down and looked at Doris, who was pale from anxiety over what bade fair to be the outcome of this letter. If your father were here with us, I should have no trouble in declining for the right. Now I must choose, Doris, and I see no other way but to go, said her mother. What Aunt Marie says in regard to your bias in religious matters is entirely correct, as is her opinion in regard to our patrimony. It would be far better for us to live upon it than to rent it for the penance it would bring, and to still continue paying rent for this cottage. The cell pictures your dear father painted has for six years kept us in comfort in our frugal way of living, but the stock and time must become exhausted. It will be a terrible trial to me to leave this place, endeared to me by memories of your father. You must help me to bear it cheerfully, Doris. I will help you, Mama, said Doris tearfully, if this is what Papa would wish us to do, I I think. Did he know all your relatives? Did he like the one who wrote this letter? He saw them only when he visited me at my grandfather's. As you know, my parents died when I was a mere child, and I went to live with my mother's sister near the shore of the North Sea, not far from the home of your father. It was while there that we became acquainted, and a short time before we were married I came to stay with grandfather and grandmother. Your father admired them greatly, but did not care much for Aunt Marie. She is abrupt in manner, and so plain-spoken that it amounts to rudeness, although she flatters herself that it is frankness. She means well, but it is her way, and it appears she cannot change it, and those accustomed to her don't mind it. Your father was so refined and courteous that it was not to be expected that he would amount 
mare, Aunt Marie, for her frankness, like that of many others, gives one the impression of coarseness, and was always repelling to his gentle, sensitive nature. If we should go to Switzerland, Mama, would we have to stay there? Could we never come home to dear Montroso? Cannot... I cannot answer that, dear. I have no more idea than you have what awaits us there. It may be that you will like your relatives and new home so well that you will not wish to come back. And this house must we give it up to strangers, asked Doris, tears again rising to her eyes as she glanced about her. This house is not ours, as you know, Doris. We will give it up to the owner, and he will do with it as he thinks best with it. But, Mama, if we find that we are not happy there and wish to come back and find strange people in this dear house and strange children playing up on this terrace and plucking the roses that dear Papa planted and we could not come in any more and Doris could say no more. She must give relief to her feelings by tears and she wept aloud. Oh, Doris, said her mother in trembling voice. I have thought of all this many, many times. I knew that the time would come when it would be advisable to return to my native place, and I dreaded making you unhappy, for I know the love you have for this home, the only one you have ever known. Doris was recalled to her deep sense of, of um, affection by the tone of her mother's voice more than by the words themselves. How often in the early days of their bereavement had she heard her mother speak in that tone, so different from the cheerful buoyance of former years, and resolved to put herself aside and not add one drop to the cup of that loving mother's anxiety. We will go, Mama, she said. I am sure that Papa would think it best. You will be glad to see your relatives again, and I too will do my best to be glad. Do you know the way, Mama? Where will we go first? The heart of Fra Mauritius grew light at the thought of the journey and joy that Doris was willing to leave her loved home at the call of duty, and could not but rejoice that she would again be in the old home of her childhood. I know the way well, Doris, she said. First we go to Como, and from there to Shavina, then on to Maloha, and next to Ober and Jadan. Then we go down into the valley, and where there are many small villages, until we come to Shul's, which is my old home. Mama, you look so happy at the thought of seeing your old home. I did not know that you longed to go. Did I, Doris? The way has until now. The death of dear grandfather makes changes which provides a comfortable and inexpensive living for us. It is moreover our own. We will commence to get ready right away, won't we, Mama? Yes, our lease here will be up in two weeks, which will give us plenty of time without being hurried. And first we must tell Maha, and she will take the message to the owner of the house and will help us in every way. You may go now and tell her, Doris. The walk up the mountain was quickly accomplished, and Maha and the children were deeply disturbed by the unexpected news, Benedetto and Marietta expressing their sorrow in earnest words. But Guacomo was silent, in his dark eyes the look of melancholy that he bore the day that Doris commenced to teach. I have faith that you will come back, said Maha. You will never be as contented in Switzerland as you are in your pretty home on Mata Ioso. 
Yes, I feel sure you will come back. Doris smiled. She almost felt it a prophecy, and the sad look left the face of the children. If no one has engaged you to help them, will you come down tomorrow and help us, Quacamo? She asked. He nodded. He could not trust his voice to speak, and having Mahas promised to go to Pallanza immediately to see the owner of the cottage, Doris went home. That evening, when mother and daughter were sitting on the terrace, upon which the moon was shining with mild splendor, they were agreeably surprised by a visit from the owner and his wife and the pastor of Cavadone and several other friends and neighbors who had heard of the purposed change and had come to express their sorrow at parting with them and each was presented when leaving with a bouquet of the beautiful roses as a parting gift. Two busy weeks went by and the pretty cottage stood empty and Dorothy and Doris sat upon the terrace waiting for the time to start upon their walk to Suna from whence they were to take the boat on Lake Magor. Mama, will I have time to take a last walk to the stone wall? asked Doris. Yes, there is no need to hurry. We have given ourselves an hour by rising that, mu this, that much earlier than usual. Doris ran down the path and soon reached the spot where six years before she had met Fräulein von Emstein. Flowers bloomed everywhere, and beautiful as the spot had always seemed to her, it was more so now that she was to hit, bid it farewell. For her mother's sake, she resolved to shed no tears, and she went quickly back to the terrace and found Maha and the children who had come to bid them goodbye. Tears were in Maha's eyes, and she seemed at a loss for words to express her sorrow when parting with them. Wakamo stood aloof, pale and silent, but when the others turned to go, he held out his hand to them in wordless farewell and left the terrace. When later, mother and daughter had bidden farewell to their loved home and were going down the mountain to the lake and passing a high rock, they heard the sound of suppressed weeping and halted to listen. It was Wakamo who had come there to see them pass and hearing them stop, came from his hiding place, his eyes swollen from weeping. Oh, Guacamo, said Doris, do not make it too hard for us to leave you all, and dear Mata Ioso, I cannot help it, he sobbed. I feel just as I did the day they took our mother away. Dear Guacamo, said Frau Morazuis, her eyes filling with tears, be the good boy you have always been, and a comfort to your grandmother. Say you will come back if you can, and I will look forward to that time, he said. If we are not contented there, and can get the cottage we have left, and it seems for any reason, Doris, reason, better that we should come back. We will, said she kindly. A happy smile passed over the swathy face of the boy. He again bade them farewell, and watching until he could see them no longer, he went up the mountain path to his home. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acresoft Story Classic. <laughs>